0: So Jeff Hurst, the trailer booking, and Billy Bonds, a the Di Canio, West Ham United. More than just a podcast. More than just a podcast. Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. This is more than
1: just a podcast. Podcast. And today we've got a special edition, uh, it's an extra bonus edition, um, new presenter uh, Nigel Khan uh, fulfilled a life ambition to speak to one of his West Ham heroes and that is David Cross, David Psycho Cross. He caught up with him Friday just before the Swansea game in an hour long special and here's Nigel and Psycho. Right, and I welcome to more just a podcast, West Ham Legends and... Uh... One of only 32 players to win an FA Cup winner's medal that's ever played for the club. It's David Psycho-Cross. Afternoon, David. Uh, Yeah, afternoon, Nigel. How are you? Yeah, not too bad, not too bad. You keeping well? Uh, Yeah, good, thank you. Yeah, that's good. Um, I'll start with a a brief outline. You were born in
2: Haywood, Lancashire, and you started your career with Rochdale. That's right. And that's your local team, yeah? Was your what self-support as a boy, or? Oh no, sorry, no, no, I never supported. No, I was a Newcastle United supporter when I was a kid. But um, oh. I just, when I was at school, I, uh, I just got the opportunity to to go to Rochdale to train with them, and gradually I played for the B team, the A team, and the reserves. And then um, when I was in the sixth form at school, they they offered me a, a professional contract um, when I was just short being eighteen.
1: So you progressed into their first
2: team. Um, what division would they be in? Division 3 for them? Yeah, they were in Division 3. went um, enough, I'd never played in the bottom division, which is, I don't know whether that's a good thing or not, but um, Rochdale were in the third division during my tenure there, so uh, then I moved up to play for Norwich and went into the second division and then we went straight up that season and so I played in the, the old first division and and then that was that. So, uh, yeah, they were in the third division. So uh, it was a hard division when you were 18 and just learning the game. It was it was a good learning curve for me.
1: So it's, would you say it's a good grounding? A lot of clubs now, they send players out on loan. West Ham have done it since two players to Bolton. But they like to send players out on loan. Do you think that's
2: a good way of progressing younger players? Well, yeah, it probably is. But I mean, from my point of view, I, I didn't know any better. So when I went to Rochdale, you know, that was what I thought it was. Uh, yeah. gradually as I, as I went through, uh, through the clubs I played for and I played for arguably, if you like, um uh, better, better sides, then, um, you know, things changed a little bit. But I think if, if a kid goes to a big club, like a Premier League club from being very young, uh, and then get loaned out when they're 17 or 18. Then they can actually hit a bit of a wall because they're so used to playing on good surfaces and good training facilities. Um, and sometimes, you know, it's a bit of a culture shock to them when they realise that that's not what it is everywhere that they're going to play. Um, I was lucky. I played. Um, I played at Rochdale. When I mean, a good example would be. When I was at Rochdale, if you didn't get in before... I mean, we'd we'd train at 10 o'clock, we'd start training at 10. If you didn't get in before half nine, then you didn't get any kit. Um, (laughs) You know, the kit was picked up by by the lads who were in early and and you didn't have any. So you always had something in the boot of your car um, just in case there was nothing for you. So, you know, now there's kit everywhere. You, You go, it's all lined up for you. You've got someone looking after you. Well, you know, I was used to you know, working at uh, at ground level um, and I gradually as I moved up then it got better and better and I realised that there were better things out there but for kids who get long from professional quads it can be a bit of a culture shock as I said before.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, for me personally I look at the, the, the way the academies are structured with the, they played like under 17s, under 18s, 19s up to under 23 where before there was the reserve football where the youngsters would mix with the older pros that were coming back from injury. Do you think that's a bit of a... Something's missing at the moment? Because we do seem to struggle getting youth players. Only the top, top youth players seem to get a chance where perhaps some that blossom late are not getting that chance now. Yeah, I mean, you know, I
2: played... I strolled out for my first game with Rochdale, having left school five weeks earlier. Um, You know, and I'm playing now in front of... Even then, back in the time I started, you know, there was seven or 8,000 people on, uh, on, in the crowd. Uh, and I was playing against hairy, backsided pros who, you know, knew the game inside out. So if I didn't learn quickly, then I didn't learn at all. You know, I'd be out of it. So that was good for me because I, I just realized what it was all about very early. And I knew what I had to do and I knew I had to get stronger. I knew I had to understand the game better. Um, it can be, a, you know, for for kids who uh, don't get that, as you say, because there's no, they don't really mix with the first team when they're young. Um, you know, it can be very, very difficult to to all of a sudden go from academy football to go to what is the real the real deal.
1: Yeah, yeah, it, it, I, I I do watch West Ham Academy from time to time, and some players I feel would perhaps. Be better off being thrown into the first team to see if they can sink or swim, rather than keep following
2: that path. Well, sink or swim is a great expression, and, and that's what happened to me. You know, I, yeah, I just if you didn't, if you couldn't cope with it, that was it. You were out. You know, and I mean, yeah. I had a one-year contract, um, and if I didn't learn quickly and if I didn't realize what I had to do, then um, I would have been out of it. I'd have, I'd have had a year, and then I would have been considered not good enough. But I did learn. I mean, one of the things that I have. I was intelligent and um, I learned quickly. If if one of the coaches told me to do something, I did it, Um, presumably because he knew better than me. Um, And, you know, I I learned quickly. Um, I I played for Rochdale for two and a half seasons and gradually I got a little bit better every season. And and by my third season, I started scoring a lot of goals and and everything fell into place for me. but then when I got transferred to Norwich City and moved up a division, then that process started again. Yeah. Um, you know, I had to had to learn what it was like against better teams and against better players and against sometimes international players I was playing against, you know. And so there was always um, a, a bit of learning to do. And, uh, you know, I, I learned quickly and I, I realized that because of what I, what I was as a footballer, then, um, you know, I knew what I had to do and I knew how I had to do it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, luckily for us, you
1: progressed through Norwich, Coventry, West Brom, um, and then on to West Ham. Now, when you joined West Ham, we were struggling at the time. That was not not don't want to give my age away, but that was my first season of watching West Ham as a little boy, okay. seventy seven, seventy eight. So yeah, we, we did eventually go down that season, but you joined halfway through. But funnily enough, your first game was against West Brom.
2: What <laughs> who, who
1: we bought you off? What was
2: that like? Yeah, it was difficult, really. I mean, I actually signed for for West Ham on my 27th birthday, so you know, I, I still wasn't really the finished article. Um, you know, I had something that John Lyle had seen over the years. He'd watched me, at, he'd watched me play for Norwich City um, four or five seasons early, and I, I wanted to sign me then, uh, but but Norwich wouldn't let me go. Uh, wow. In actual fact, the day that When West Ham signed Graham Padden from Norwich City, John wanted to sign me with Graham as a double signing, but Norwich wouldn't go for that. They wouldn't let two of us go to the same club. Um, And Graham actually was my big pal anyway, you know, and so that would have been good for me to go to West Ham um, at that point. But going back to the thing about leaving West Brom on the Wednesday and and playing against them on the Saturday, it was very difficult because, you know, I played with those lads for so long. Um, and it was a great set of lads at West Brom. You know, we was a good team. Uh, the two centre-halves, John Weil and Alistair Robertson, were very good players. So it was very difficult to go there and, on the debut and, uh, and and play. But once you got that out of the way, then, you know, I, 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 I kind of settled in fairly well at, uh, at West Ham. And, um, but as I say, I wasn't the finished article by any means. And, and John Weil, who'd seen something in me when I was at Norwich, um, worked on that. He worked on what I was good at. Um, he worked me on other things. He taught me other things. And, uh, you know, I, I was a, a very raw player, even at the age of 27. Um, and, and the next five years were, the, were probably the best five of my career.
1: Yeah. Was,
2: was John Bond the manager at Norwich Sim, or did he come no, off? No, no, Ron Saunders was the manager. And, Ron again, Solers, he's, yeah. he was a major influence on me because he taught me, he taught me probably what the West Ham fans liked about me more than anything, which was, you know, how to... Uh, had to take care of centre backs before they got uh, before they <laughs> took care of me.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean that first season, as I said, you come in seventy seven, seventy eight, wasn't a great season. We ended up going down um, into Division Two, as was. Yeah. He still, I think, he scored nine goals though in twenty
2: games. Yeah, Just... I'm not sure how many I got, but I, I, I remember vividly that we haven't we haven't. When I say we. I mean West Ham had not won a game. They have. Did not got one single win, and I signed for them on December the 8th, which, as I said, was my birthday. Yeah. Um, and two days later, uh, although I wasn't eligible to play with Man United, I think it was 2-1 at Upton Park, uh, Trevor scored the winner. Uh, and I always felt that might have been, you know, just a new sign and maybe just just helped and, and sent the lads out um, you know, thinking that maybe there was some goals to come because we, John Simon mainly, because we haven't been scoring goals. I think Halsey and John Radford uh, were up front at the time, um, yeah. and and John, John, I don't think had scored a goal for West Ham. You know. He never did. You know, he he was a very very good player, and yeah. uh, you know, me taking his place was like a you know. A bit of pressure for me because I'd, I'd watched him over those years playing for Arsenal and realised how good he was and I thought, well, if he's not scoring, you know, I wonder what's happening. But I did find that um, playing with Derek Hales was good because Hales, he was a terrific finisher uh, and I liked working hard. So, you know, that was a decent combination. And then, of course, Pop Robson, you know, you know was part of that as well. So I played with Pop. Um, but yeah, the, the season was difficult. So we have not won a game until the, I think, the 10th of December then we had a decent little run. Uh, then it looked as though we might stay up, and then just at the last minute we, we couldn't do it, I and mean, then we lost to Liverpool on the last game of the season We went down.
1: Yeah, two nil. Um, your first goal, I don't know if you know. I do know. I looked it up. Was against Leicester City on the right. 31st of December. But I didn't but, know that. that yeah, it. so oh. you had about two or three games where you didn't score, and then you went. And scored against Leicester, right? And then you ended up with nine. I've got it. Yeah, nine in twenty games that season, which is a, right. Which is a
2: fantastic tally. If you look at now top-flight scorers, what they score, the amount of goals. Yeah, well, I mean, over a twenty-game period, anything can happen, can't it? You know, a hat yeah. trick, a hat trick, and then a and then a double, and you've scored five of those nine in two games. So you know, the statistics they can say what you know what you want. To to prove really, but um, what I did find was I, I I was amazed really at the number of chances because there it was, it was such a creative side. Uh, it suited me down to the ground. You know, to play with Trevor and, and Dev, um, you know those kind of creative players. I got so many chances, and that's what I you know I was a good finisher, uh, and I you know I like getting in the box. I, I think I, I can remember talking to a couple of the wide players, you know, Patsy and. Like Jimmy neighbour and they were saying oh you know I'll try and pick you out I said don't pick don't try and pick me out just put the ball in the box and leave the rest to me that you know just put it in the box and I know it's coming in I'll get on the end of it and if I don't get on the end of it blame me I said well yeah. you know if you don't put it in I'll be blaming you um, and, and gradually you know that, that worked really because the lads realised that if it went in the box there was a chance I'd probably get in you know one way or the other I would get in and get on the end of it and at least have a give us a chance of scoring. Did I mean did West Ham play a system that
1: that you like to you know, there's big talk about the West Ham way we like to play football, attractive football. You're a, would you say a robust you was a robust attacker Yeah and
2: I mean, I mean
1: if you look at Andy Carroll I suppose we could say about as close as the equivalent to the striker nowadays as to what you are. Which people uh, sometimes wonder, Andy Cavill may not fit in with the West Ham way, but you seem to thrive
2: on it. Well, yeah. I mean, we didn't actually play every ball from the back, you know, in terms of starting play through the keeper, through the back four, and, and through the pitch. We, I mean, more often than not, Parksey would kick it long, and I'd get on the end of it. And, and that's, that was good for me because, you know, it brought me into the game straight away. And, you know, I like battling against centre back. Um and if I could then knock it down and get us in possession, then the next job was to get uh, to get in the box and, and get on the end of whatever came in, whether it was from a wide player going across him or whether it was a through ball from the likes of Trevor or, or the, the other midfield players.
1: Yeah, I mean, we went down. The, the first season, we we did OK. I felt we held our own. And then 79-80 um, was perhaps the kickstart with with the FA cup as as to a purple patch of 2 3 years What well, a lot of people would like the glory years for West Ham right so let me start again so yeah so we went down 77 78 um we started off well 78 79 i think we beat not candy 5 2 in the first game we were quite up there but it tailed off towards the end then 79 80 we were again at the top, towards the top, but then we got into the cup run. I mean, what are your memories of the FA Cup run? I'm sure you've been asked this
2: time and time again. Yeah, well, going back to your original point, I mean, we um, we thought we'd go up straight away because we were... The going down meant that John was able to... And this sounds a bit harsh, but he, he was able to get rid of the players he wanted to get rid of. And, I mean, and it's a cruel world football, you know, but one or two lads, uh, John was able to, to move on uh, and he was able to buy who he wanted to buy to fit those those positions. Um, But we felt that mainly we'd kept this aside, And so we thought we'd go up straight away. And we were really disappointed as a group that we didn't go up. You know, it took us three years to to go up. Um, You know, we felt we probably weren't kicking above our weight in, in any shape or form until that last season, which was the one after the FA Cup. Um, yeah. but, but going back to the cup run, which is the second part of your question, um, it didn't start great for me because I would injured my knee uh, towards just before Christmas. Um, I didn't play until uh, I think it was March, and the first game back was the quarter final of the FA Cup. So, you, you know, but on. I remember the cup run because I remember when we were coming back from I think I'm not sure where we played, but we were on the coach listening to the cup draw on Saturday evening. And um, we got West Brom away, and uh, you know we all thought, "Crikey, you know, that's a hard game because West Brom are a good side." Um, and really, when you when you looking at the cup draw, you want to get home draw, and you feel as though against anybody, if you get it at home, you've got a chance. Uh, so West Brom away was a very difficult game, and 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 it was the part of you know defining game really. He was fantastic that day. I didn't see it; I wasn't there because, as I say, I was injured and in, in a cast. Um, but I was listening to it and I listened to all the news reports afterwards and the you know, had a fantastic game that day and kept us in it. Then we won the lead play and then I think we drew with Orient, I think. Uh, no we beat round. Orient
1: yeah, we drew Orient, beat them three two at their grand. Ray Stewart mm-hmm. scored
2: twice. Right. Um but and then um, who did we play the next round after Swansea, that? Swansea. Um,
1: that's when you came right, back Swansea, in. Right, yeah, Swansea. Yeah, that was
2: my that was my first game back. Yeah, that's right. Uh, so you know the 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 cup run for me started with the Swansea game, and then you know the quarter. Um, yes, it was the quarter final. It was the fifth round. Uh, the quarter final was Aston Villa, which was raised a penalty in the last couple of minutes, um, and then the semi final. Um, probably we were lucky to get the draw at. Uh, at Aston Villa's ground against Everton. Everton won, you know, bombing us for ages. Brian Kidd was superb for about half an hour. And then him and Ray had a fight, and uh, Kiddo got sent off, and Ray stayed on. So that enabled us really to just regroup a little bit. Stuart Pearson got the equaliser, and uh, then we went up, some, uh, sorry, went up to Alan Rogan, and, and we, beat, we beat him in the replay. So, you know, the, the big thing about the FA Cup run for anyone, really, and any professional will tell you, that uh, the semi-final is the game to win because it means you're playing at Wembley and you know, whatever else happens you've played at Wembley in the cup final um, yeah. we probably never truly thought we would beat Arsenal um, you know we were second division side they were going really well in, in the top division but I think we just had a slight advantage because of the, the nature of their semi-finals because I think they played about four times against Liverpool didn't they and it did, yeah. Uh, and I think that, you know, that would probably take the edge off them a little bit because, you know, those games must have drained them.
1: And they were in the cup winners' cup final as well.
2: Yeah, the next week weren't they, yeah. yeah, that's right. Um so yeah, it was a fantastic experience for me. I mean if you ask any young player what their ambition would be, I think most would say that, you know, to play in the FA Cup final would be the height of their ambition. And and if you listen carefully to that, you know, they don't say to win the FA Cup. It usually is to say you played in the cup final. So yeah. to play in the cup final and walk out there at Wembley was a you know a marvellous experience to, to win it was almost a nice in on the cake and really a bonus for me. Um you know, I just wanted to be able to start played in the cup final. Never really dreamt that we would win it. Until about 15 minutes from time, when I, that, that's when I started panicking because uh, you know that's when it becomes difficult when you realise you've got something to lose because we were one no one.
1: Yeah, I mean, John's tactics on the day were they different to what we had normally done because they thought that he withdrew Pearson into a deeper role, left you sort of isolated on your own a bit, but it meant we weren't
2: overrun. Is oh. it something that they worked on, or oh Christ, no, I, I didn't know we were going to do that until 15 minutes before the kick-off. Um we'd worked our we were four four two uh four four two team and, and yeah. we worked on four four two all that week. And then at at the third quarter to three, John took me aside and said, I'm gonna play up front on your own and join dropping Stewart back into midfield. Uh we think that'll just bamboozle Arsenal for a little while. And sure enough it worked because we scored after thirteen minutes and really for the first fifteen to twenty minutes the Arsenal centre-backs didn't know what day it was. They didn't know who was marking who, um, who was marking me, who should drop into Mark Stewart. Uh, so John's you know, tactics that day were spot on. He'd worked it out. I, mean, I think we, it was really one of the first times anyone had played 4-5-1 and to play in a cup final was a brave thing because if, if we hadn't won, you know, he, he, could have, uh, he could have taken a bit of stick for it.
1: Yeah, I mean, as a 10-year-old kid, it was it was a dream come true. To um, I, I was a bit young in '75, but in '80 um, I lived the dream, with you, would be I could say. Yeah,
2: um, I mean, yeah, I mean, John going back to John's tactics, you know. The, I asked Stuart afterwards. I said, "Did you know about that?" And he just laughed. So he obviously did. I think John had told told Stuart what was going to happen, and, and it was a good thing because Stuart was a good player faced up. You know, he could play that. He could play in midfield facing up uh I was with my back to back to goal, uh and if you turned me around and had me running at their goal, I wasn't as good a player. But Stewart could play in midfield. Um it was in fact it was probably his best game for the for the club.
0: Yeah.
2: Um you know he was he, he was big uh he had a big part in the goal uh sending Deb down the left side to get that crossing. Um but, you know, from my point of view it was just at the end of possibly a little bit of a dream of mine because I, I wanted to do an Alan Taylor and score the winning goal in the cup final. And I realised once I was going to play up front on my own on that day, which if you say you were there and you're 10 years of age, you might remember it was baking hot. And yep. I just realised that I probably wasn't going to get many chances to score. Uh, and that was just going to do the donkey work up front. But, you know, I, played in the, I was playing in the cup final and I wasn't going to argue with that. And to win the cup and have an FA Cup winner's medal means everything, you know, was worthwhile for me.
1: Yeah. And, and of course, it was the catalyst for
2: the next season where
1: we not only had Europe, but we also had the promotion to push because we wanted to get back up to the top division. Um, Everybody confident going in. I think we signed Paul Goddard that season after the cup final um, to play up front with you. Was, yeah, was, did you get on well with Paul? Was he a Yeah, good I mean,
2: Paul, Paul was a different type of player to want to play the against. I mean, it's Paul was very, uh, very good touch player and good finisher, uh, neat and tidy. He, he didn't have a lot of stamina, so again that worked well for me because I loved doing the hard work. You know, because I just went out and I knew I knew my limitations, Nigel, um, yeah. and I knew that if I worked hard, then the rest of the lads would appreciate that. Um, and if Sarge could do little bits and pieces of magic in there, just playing off me, and I could win it and get it to him or get it to Trevor or get it to Dev. Um, and then again, you know, I was always going to do, I was always going to get on the end of stuff in the box. Um, so it suited me to play with with Sarge because, you know, you have a smash and grab kind of combination there, don't you? You know, you'd never get two players alike doing particularly well up front. You know, you couldn't have two Paul Goddards playing together. You probably couldn't have two David Crosses playing together, you know, because it wouldn't work. But um, the combination was a good one. And obviously, John John signed Paul with that in mind to play off me, let me do all the battering around and and running about. And and Paul could could do the clever stuff. So it was a good combination. And I think, you know, between us, I got... I know how many goals I got that year, and I think Paul wasn't too far short of me. And I think that might have been the club record. I think, I think with,
1: so, with the cup
2: you went over thirty. I think. Yeah, and I got thirty-four because I got yeah. the golden boot that year. Which, yeah. uh, you know, again that that was a big thing for me um, because I, I did rely on goals. I, I lived and died on goals, and I was always prepared to say that because you know I'd, I'd often get interviewed by people in the press, you say, oh yeah, you're doing well, you know, and uh, you're playing okay, you know, but your goal tally's not good and I, that was not, that wasn't what I wanted, I wanted people to judge me on the goals I scored because I was, I regarded myself as a number nine and a number nine's job from when I was a little boy um, had always been to be the goal scorer Um, and I think pretty much throughout my career. I was always a leading goal scorer in every club I played for, you know, and that was something I wanted to be. So if anyone asked me, you know, the team's doing well and you're not scoring but you're making it for other people, that was no good to me. I didn't want to hear that. I I, I had to score goals. I I wanted to score goals to justify myself as a player. Um and I remember always talking to Stuart Pearson. We great we were great pals, Stuart and I. I, still are, I mean I see he lives up in Manchester the same as I do. Um, And Stuart would often say, you know, I don't care who's scoring goals just as long as the team wins. Well, I wanted the team to win, but I wanted to score the goals as well. Um, And if I didn't score, I would then accept the fact that people might say, you're not doing your job properly because you're not scoring. um, Because I wanted to take all the praise when I did score. So, um, yeah, it was a good partnership, Sarge and I. We got a lot of goals that season and, and... Sure, so, so we should have done to be fair, because we were playing in the second tier of English football, you know we were we were better than that. we should have done better in the seasons you know the couple of seasons before we should have gone up earlier than we did um but, as you said, it was you know a very good phrase it was the catalyst winning the cup for us to go up um and although we were confident we would go up, you know we knew that there was pressure on us because, having won the cup the year before, if we didn't go. Up, Anything,
1: you know, it was going to look pretty shabby from now point Yeah, I mean, it was. Um, well, it remains the record for two points for a win in that division. So, right, I didn't know that. I think we only lost the home game against Luton, the first game at home, and then we never lost another home game. Um, yeah, I, I didn't. I wasn't aware of that. I just. Yeah, it was. It was just. It, it was almost a perfect season. We got to the cup, League Cup final. Yeah, um, of course, yeah you scored a great goal at the bowling against Spurs.
2: Oh, yeah, that one I chipped at the far post. And, yeah. Yeah, it was a bit, uh, yeah, it was one of those things. Everyone was it a cross or that. was it a shot? Well, everyone asked me that. and um, I mean, as We worked on the fact that um, the goal, Spurs goalkeeper, Barry Danes, that day, yeah. John Lyle had watched him play and he said he comes off his line an awful lot. So he told us both, you know, myself and Sarge, I think Sarge played that day. Um, but he, he mentioned to all of us, you know he said, look, da comes off his line he's off he's off his line an awful lot, maybe you can you can chip him at some stage. Uh, just be aware of that um and i I remember playing the ball through for Trevor, and Trevor I think Trevor's shot or attempt on goal was saved by Den, and it was pushed out wide, and I got on the end of it, and that was what was in my mind to just try and chip it because I knew he'd come off his line almost to the edge of his box to to confront trevor um and you know I just thought, well." if I can chip this towards the far post, I've got a chance it'll either drift in or um, one of their defenders might be chasing back and might knock it in as an own goal or one of our lads might get on the end of it and and head it in. But as it happens, the chip that I put to the far post drifted in and and the goal was down to me. So, you know, I can't honestly say I I thought I'd weathered it in from, from such a wide distance score, but I just took the opportunity to say, well, there's no goalkeeper in there at the moment. If I can just chip it over to the far post, who knows what will happen? And, and luckily for me, it went in. And
1: it, and it sort of highlights as well, the, the work that John Lowell used to do. As you say that, John Lowell had obviously had Spurs looked at to gave gave you the information well,
2: which you yeah, then used. Yeah, I mean, now, I, I mean, for the last seven years, I worked for Black and Rovers doing the opposition analysis. So that was yeah. my job, is to go out and work things like that out. But back in those days, you didn't have anyone doing that job, but John worked that out for himself. John went to watch Spurs himself, didn't send anyone. He didn't send Eddie Bailey or anyone else. He he went himself and spotted that. And just, you know, it's just one of those little things that, you know, what's that phrase they use You know, a game of inches, isn't it? You know, those little bits and pieces, you know, just help. And, you know, it might just be that 10% or even 5%.
0: Plushcare.com/slash/weight-loss.
2: Just um, a bit of knowledge just helps you, and it helped us that day because as soon as that ball broke wide and the new James had come out to the edge of his box, I knew that he was going to be running back eighteen yards, and, and you know it wasn't going to be easy for him to pick to pick out a, a chip that I put in. Um, so yeah, I mean John John was a marvellous coach, really well ahead of his time.
1: After we beat Spurs, you. Uh, semi-final, two-legged against an old team of yours, Coventry.
2: Yeah.
1: 3-2 down from the first leg. Bowling was rocking for the second game. Do you remember much about that game? We won it 2-0. I thought we
2: were... We were 3-2. I thought we...
1: No, we were 3-2 down. I think... um... I think it was David Thompson scored... Twice for Coventry and once for West Ham. Um yeah. we've definitely thought, three two I down. We
2: went, I didn't think we were down. I thought we were. I thought we were ahead when we went to brought them back to Upton Park. No,
1: because Jimmy Neighbour, I don't know if you yeah. remember. I'll tell you. Jimmy no, Jimmy, the got the,
2: Jimmy got the winner because I, I nodded that down to him and Jimmy scored from that. That's so true. that was the winner. I Remember that?
1: That was like literally the last kick of the game. I, it, right. it
2: was. It was that close to the or, um, or
1: going to it extra time. Right, um, which wouldn't have pleased my mum because I'd have been home late. Um, yeah, all <laughs> yeah. so night. So now we go to Wembley, League Cup final. Sammy Lee, offside or not?
2: Yeah, undoubtedly offside. I mean, we we couldn't believe that the goal was able to stand because Sammy, when um, Alan Kennedy's took the shot I and mean, family actually had to duck his head down yeah. so the ball could go over him so you know to say he wasn't interfering with play was was ridiculous really and Clive Thomas was such we, we, you know he's such a stubborn man Clive you know once he'd given the goal nothing was going to change and I know john got in a bit of trouble because he he got called up before the FA for the comments he made to Clive um, yeah. but I think the words he said was I feel cheated Um. Well, that's what I told them he said. Oh, yeah. Um, um, yeah, I think we've got John off the hook there. Um, oh, right. yeah, Yeah, he, he was in a bit of trouble, and there was a lot of words with cheat in, in them in that conversation, but John did actually say, I feel cheated, and I I because they'd got a photograph of me right next to John and Clive Thomas listening to it, they asked, the FA board or the disciplinary thing asked me, what John had said and he said was did he say I feel I've been cheated and he did say that and he did but I did also say yeah that's all he said so we got John off that one
1: I mean unfortunately we we lost the semi-final of Villa Park three days later 2-1 the replay yeah the replay not the semi-final sorry yeah the replay um, of Villa Park yeah 2-1 but Liverpool Champions of Europe that season um, if you're gonna to lose to a team we we were proud in in the way we acquitted ourselves
2: um yeah, yeah from my point of view the the, the replay was probably the worst game I played. i'd played i i um i'd been i hadn't been well that day i'd had a a really bad ear infection and I really probably shouldn't have played, but because it was a replay of a cup final, I, I was probably too selfish, and I didn't mention it to the physio. I didn't mention, tell Rob and I didn't tell John how ill I felt, um, and I just I didn't carry me away. I mean, I I, I apologised to the lads after the game because I just I, it was really the worst game I, I played for the club. I was just nowhere near. I I, I couldn't concentrate when I was out there. Um, it was just. So difficult, and I knew as soon as I was out there that I should have I should have coughed to the medical staff and said I I shouldn't play. Um, So it was a big disappointment to me, and I felt fairly responsible for the fact that that we lost because I just didn't pull my weight at all, Um, and you know that was that was a big mistake I made. so if I'd have been anything like, you know, we might have won that game. or I'd certainly done a little bit better. So yeah. it's a big blot on my career at West Ham that one. And I apologise mainly to John, but uh, you know, in fact, John gave me a bollock after because all of the land went to the fans and, and clapped the fans yep. and almost to say thanks very much for coming and sorry we've lost. And I went straight up the tunnel and John said, "Why did you do that?" And I said, "John, I couldn't face the fans after the way I played. I couldn't go and apologise. I couldn't go and." And applaud them. I, I said, I just felt so bad about how I played. And John accepted that. He said, you know, in, in future, he said, you really should, with a team, you should go up, to, all 11 of us should, should go to the fans. And I yeah. said, I, I just felt I couldn't. I said, I didn't, I didn't pitch my weight in into that game at all. And uh, I said, I was so disappointed in what I, how I played that I just couldn't face, uh, you know, applauding the fans. So he did give me a bit of a rocket, but he did accept why I'd done it.
1: Well, I, you know, personally, I'm sure the fans have never, ever, would hold anything against you uh, in in that regard. So I think we're we're a good no, deal. It, but it's something that I learned. It, you know, yeah, it's like
2: person. I, I was 30, pride, I was 30 yeah. years of age. I was 30 years yeah. of age, and and they say you learn something every every game, and that was one thing I learned, that if I wasn't if I wasn't fit and I wasn't going to be able to play at 2 I mean to say. A hundred percent ridiculous because you were never a hundred percent. You were always something like eighty-five uh, percent upwards when you played. You know, there's always something wrong with you. But it taught me that if if I really felt that I shouldn't play, then it would I would be on a bound to do that. And so after that, I never ever uh, played again if, if there was something fairly seriously wrong with me.
1: I mean, only looking at the stats you never seem to have a big injury problem during your time at West Ham. It seems you played the high, high 30s, 40 games a season, even 50 uh, in in that eighty eighty one. I think West Ham played 60 games that season. You played in over 50 of them.
2: So... Yeah, yeah. Um, it's it, it, it true. But, you know, we we were very working class, Nigel, in, in terms of we thought we should go on. It, you know, If you got a bit of a niggle, you played because if you didn't play, your money wasn't as good. You know, I was on appearance money and bonuses, the same as probably a lot of the other lads. Um, And my wage could double if I played. uh, You know, from the basic, my wage could double if I was in the team and we won. That could double my my money that week. You know, so and that was a big difference um, in in what the pay packet could be. So we wanted to play. We wanted to play. So you would play with the odd niggle. and it really it was you're right I'd, i did play a lot of games over the five seasons and I think I played two hundred and thirty games in five seasons, something like that, so you know that that's that's a fair ratio um and it was only afterwards I, that um I did get injuries um I had an injury when I went to man city and i, I had a couple of illnesses um that cost me when I was uh, playing for West Bromwich Albion when I came back second on America and and then I had an injury when I played for Bolton to finish my career because I uh, fractured my skull um, and that actually knocked the stuffing out of me you know if any, any West Ham uh, fan had watched me play after that injury they wouldn't have thought it was the same player because it just really knocked the stuffing out of me completely
1: well just you know you played 223 games for West Ham, scoring 97 goals so that's right uh, in four and a half seasons I mean yeah. that that is um that is impressive. I mean if, if I compare yeah. that to decanio one of my favourite all time players, who's probably at West Ham four and a half seasons, I, I bet his stats don't tally up. I think he only got about 60 goals.
2: So Right, uh, yeah. Well it goes back to what I said earlier on, you know, I, I, I regarded myself as as a goal scorer. If people now ask me so I used to play football, didn't you, what position are you? I used to I tell I I'm a goal I was a goal scorer. That was my job. So I did the, you know, i, I lived and died on goals. I, I I made no bones about that. I uh I felt that was the job. You know, number nine. When I was a very young player at, at Rochdale and I'd never played up front, this might surprise you, but until I became a professional footballer for Rochdale, I'd never played up front, I'd never been a striker, I was always a right winger. Um and the first time I was picked to play for Rochdale I asked a mate of mine, Bobby Downs, who's who played for Watford for a long time, uh, and, and I said, I don't know what to do, I don't know how to play up front. He said, wherever the ball is on the pitch, whoever's got the ball, he said, make sure they can hit you with it. Wherever you are, whether it's a fullback 50 yards away or whether it's a midfield player five yards away, make sure they can get it to you. And when, you, and when it comes to you, hold the ball up, give it back to one of us, and then get into the box and get on the end of it. Um and that was what I did, really for twenty years. That was how it, it sounds simplistic, but it was um that was really what I did for the for, for the 19, 20 the seasons I played. Um and the biggest part of it was getting on the end of stuff and, and scoring goals because once you do that, you're always gonna have a chance of getting a contract at the end of the season, either with your club or if they throw you out. With another club, who looks at your goal record and says, "I oh, will take him." I mean, no one can argue you was a goal scorer.
1: I mean, that's the sum. Now we've uh, got promoted. Spurs signed Ray Clements. His own debut, I believe, is against West Ham. You score four goals that night.
2: Yeah, that was, it it was uh, just one of those days for me. It was, um... Your best night as a West Ham player? Well, I think I think it would have to be. be- in, I mean I pro- probably played better games for the club than that, but the implications of what I did that day are still reverberating now. I mean it, when it comes to uh, you know the anniversary of that game or whenever we play Tottenham, you know, still people on Twitter and Facebook and stuff still come on about those four goals. So it it has helped me to kind of um etch a bit of something into the football of West Ham because, you know, to to score to score a winning goal against Tottenham is, you know, it's like uh, diamonds from heaven, isn't it, for a West Ham it, fan? It, it, it so invokes legendary status. <laughs> yeah, look, it's just—it was one of those things. I mean, it could have been Paul Goddard who got all four that day. It just happened to me, but um, it, yeah, it was—it it was a good day for me. A good day for the club because we would just come up. We'd drawn at home to Brighton in the first game of the season on the yeah. Saturday, which is a bit disappointing and then to go to Tottenham, and I think they only went to Sunderland on the Saturday. Um, you know, we're looking at drawing with, at home with Brighton and not getting two points. So would it be three then? Probably three. Three.
1: It was the first season of three points.
2: Yeah, that's right. So, um, you know, we, we're then looking on the Sunday and Monday, thinking, wow, we've got two away games, one at White Hart Lane and one at Sunderland at Loker Park. Um what we're going to get from them, as it happens, I think we we won both games. I'm fairly sure. I'm not. We beat Tottenham. I'm fairly sure we beat Sunderland as well. Um, so it was just a great start for us to get that platform to say, well, you know, we've got we're two games in now on Wednesday morning after we beat Tottenham the night before. and We've you now got four points. You know, so it was a good platform for us, and it gave us a bit of self belief. I, I mean, I'm
1: thinking off the top of my head now. Did you not score five once? Against Grimsby for West Ham.
2: Uh, no, I got four. That oh, we four. scored five. That was the day we got. Five. That was the day we cemented um, uh, promotion. Right. Up at, yeah. Uh, up at Grimsby. Um, I know we won five-one. So you got we four. We won five-one. I got four. Yeah. Um, and and it's funnily enough, you, that day people asked me, funnily enough, about the, the match ball for the Tottenham game. Said have you still got it? And I actually gave it to Phil because after the Grimsby oh. game. When I got all four goals and I walked away with the ball, and Phil said, I'll never get one of them. I said, What do you mean? He said, Well, you, he said, I'll never get, he said, however well I play, he said, and save as many shots as I possibly can. He said, I'll never get a match ball. He said, It's always you goal scorers who get a match ball for getting a hat trick. So I said, Next time I get a hat trick, I'll I'll give you the ball. And that was the Tottenham game. It was only about four games later, actually. Um, yeah. Because, you know, we had the summer, it was towards the end, the end of the game was the, the end of one season. And
1: the, the, the April, yeah.
2: Uh, yeah, and the Tottenham game was uh, was the second game of the season, the next season. So um, we're getting the floor there. And Phil just said, "Right, can you remember what you said at Grimsby?" And I said, "Yeah, okay." So I gave that to Phil. So he's got that, and not me.
1: I mean, that was to be your last season with West Ham before you left us to go to Man City. Yeah. Um, a good move for you. Did you think nah, was it something no, you it- wanted or?
2: No, uh, not particularly. I mean, really, it, it was it was a combination of circumstances, really. I was getting married to a girl from back up, up home from the same village as me. Um, and the idea of going back to Manchester or coming back north always appealed to me. You know, I always thought, this is where I'll finish my career. I'll go back north after being at Norwich and Coventry and West Brom and, and then West Ham. It's just that at, towards the end of that season, um that first season back in the the top division. I just felt as though I I might have peaked and was going over the top and coming down the other side as far as West Ham's fans were concerned. And I I just didn't want to have the next season and not be quite as good. You know, I was getting up towards 32 then, I think. Uh, And I didn't want that to be quite a a disappointing season where, you know, I wasn't the player the fans thought I had been for the previous five, and I just thought maybe it's the time to go. Maybe it, you know, if I go on my own terms, yeah. um, go out and I'll the a, I'll leave the club when I've done. You know what I've done. I was always disappointed. I mean, you said I got 97 goals. Yeah. Uh, I think I got 99. That's what I have got in the records. That um, I got 99 goals because I knew I would got 98 when we played the last game of the season at Wolves and I, want, I knew I needed two to get 100, and I wanted to do that. I only got one. Uh, I think we drew one each, and uh, I got our one. Um, i double
1: check that.
2: <laughs> and then, so I knew I'd got 99, but I would have liked to have got 100 goals, but I thought if I just leave the club now, while I'm, if you like, I'm on the top, then no one can ever say, oh, you know, yeah, he did well for five seasons, and you yeah. know, he did but he so well in the last yeah. season he was here. And, so, yeah, I, I, and and because I was marrying a girl, a girl from... Oh, up the centre of the country as well. Uh, my family was here, obviously. So it, it did appeal to me to go back up north. As it happens, the, the move to City wasn't a great one for me. Uh, I didn't particularly get on well with John Bond. I uh, didn't think he was a terrific manager. Um, it, I got an injury early on in the season, in pre-season, and, and I never really was fully fit. And it, it, I didn't fit, really. Uh, and, I, and there was lots of times during that season I wish I'd never left West Ham, Um I mean, even now, you know, I, I I relish those times, you know, and if I had yeah. one more season, maybe I would have got more than $34 or whatever. You know, but, um, you know, that's how it that's how it was. And I just thought if I leave now on my own terms, it'll be the first time I've, I've ever done that. Usually it's because either the club uh, I was playing for realized that they could get rid of me and get money for me or another club came in because they thought I might do something for them. So this was the only time, really, that um, because my contract had come in that season that uh, I was able to leave, and and I thought thought it was the right thing to do. In retrospect, maybe it wasn't. Maybe I should have had another season.
1: Yeah, I mean, John Bond was an ex-West Ham player. Did he play the same type of football as West Ham? Uh,
2: yeah, it, it wasn't that he did like to play. John liked to play football like John Lyle did. You know, he was a West Ham yeah. too. So it's just it's his his manner. He wasn't a great man manager. And I I had five years of John Lyle. I mean, you know, yeah. you know, I was I was never going to get a better manager than that. I mean, I'd played for John Giles a couple of seasons before with West Brom and Vancouver Whitecaps, and Johnny Giles was a fantastic manager. Uh, John Lyle, fantastic manager. Ron Saunders is a terrific manager for me as a 20-year-old, you know, to, to learn the game, to learn how to de- deal with center Um But to go, John, John Bond was different. He had his own methods and, you know, his man management style really didn't didn't suit me. Um, and and I think that reflected where I played, to be honest. You know, if you ask a Man City fan, probably, you know, yeah, I remember him coming. Um, you know, and they wouldn't. They certainly wouldn't hold me in, in the same regard as a, as a West Ham fan would.
1: Yeah, yeah. All right. As I mean, we're coming to the end now. I've got some short questions now for you. What the first one you've answered? Favorite team as a kid? Yeah, yeah. Newcastle. Yeah. I mean, so who was your favorite player as a child growing up? Who did you who did you want to be when you was in the playground?
2: Yeah, that's a good question, really. Um, I, I mean, I, I didn't. Because i have never played as a striker, you know, it wasn't a striker. I don't really know if I had a favourite player. Um, it's a good, good question. I don't know. There's a lot of no. players are. I, I mean, the thing is, when I was a kid, you know, I never thought I was going to be a professional footballer. You know, professional football didn't come from the same town as me. You know, it didn't happen. Yeah. Um, and I just. Every, and of course, you remembered, Nigel. But in those days, there'd only be one game a season on television, which would be the FA yeah. Cup final, and that's all you watched. So, you know, you ju- I just relish football, and, and if there's any football I wanted to watch, it, you know, if I could go to a football match, I would go and watch a football match. Um, so, I didn't really have any favourite players at all. And when I when I started, be, you know, became a professional, then I started realising, um, you know that watching watching strikers watching people like Alan Clark at Leeds, Dennis Law, how Dennis Law play, Win Davis at Newcastle, and you know the big Welsh lad who was good in yeah. there. Um and the one I would probably have thought would be the person I I might have become would have been I don't know if you remember the lad who played up front with Clark at Leeds called Mick Jones. You know yes. he just he worked and worked and got goals and and you know did all the donkey work and and in the end, I kind of thought that's probably where I'm gonna be um you know his work rate was fantastic, and I always just thought that whatever happens, if your work rate is good and you try and try and try, even if you crap on that particular day, then the fans might forgive you yeah okay um moving on, you may want to answer this, you may not best player you played with at West Ham Oh, Christ. Um, oh, such a good team that I played with, especially the '81 side. Um, I mean, what do you like best, ice cream or an Indian meal? You know. Yeah, I, I, I've,
1: I wrote it down, and I'm thinking because I know some professional. It's hard to pick one out. Sometimes they can go, yes, this man. I've heard it asked before, where players said, "Oh, this man," and a lot have gone too many to choose from.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, look, Phil Parks probably was the the, the final piece in the jigsaw for us at West Ham. Yeah. You know, with all respect to Mervyn and, and Bobby Ferguson, we had a top class, probably a world class goalkeeper. For, you know, which was great. You know, he kept us in so many games. Um, Billy Bonds, how can you you know like dismiss Billy Bonds if you're saying, you know, I'd rather have another player than than Billy Bonds with what he did and what he had. Because again, you've got a player, Billy, who made the most of everything he had. Really, didn't he? You know, he wasn't yeah. a Trevor Brookin. He wasn't an Alan Devonshire. But he, you know what you're going to get with Bill, and you got it every week. Then you've yeah. got Trevor Brookin, probably the probably the best player. If you if I, you had to pin me down. Uh, but then again, how do you compare him with Alan Devonshire, who you know was so good, and you know was really a revelation for coming as a five thousand pounds signing from a non league club. So. I think those four players um, would probably be in my top four, and I'd have to pick one of them. And if I did have to pick one, and you pin me down, it would probably be Trevor. Trevor, yeah, okay. Um,
1: was there any players coming through when you was at West Ham as a youth that you thought he will make it?
2: Well, Ollie, Ollie obviously, you know, getting into the final team yeah. at the age of seventeen, um, you know, I always thought. Um, he would have a good chance. Um, I'm trying to think who was there and thereabouts when I was there. in mean, Nicky Morgan, I thought Nicky might have had a chance. Uh, old-fashioned center probably a bit like myself. Um, there's a young boy called George Cowie, who, who yeah, never Scottish really... Lad. Scottish boy, yeah, he never really fulfilled all of his potential. Um, and the one who, some of us, we did really like as, as a group of lads who we all thought, oh, this kid's good. Uh, and he's got a chance. John never really gave this kid a chance, and he made the best of his career at other clubs, and that was Ray Houghton. Yes. He played one game for West Ham. Yeah, and I think that was at Arsenal, I remember. Yeah, it was. Um, And I can remember Ray making his debut that day, and we lost. Uh, And I don't think John must have fancied him um, as a player, and uh, we all thought he had a chance, and it wasn't a surprise when he... I can't think where he went. Did he go to Fulham but first? he went and to then Fulham,
1: he went Fulham, to Fulham, and then Fulham then first before yeah. Oxford. I mean, but if you look at the players in front of him,
2: yeah, that's the point here. You know, Devon Pike, the, yeah. Allen, yeah, 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 it's a fair point, Nigel. Um, but to only play one game for West Ham, you know, and, and then do what he did, Fulham, Oxford, yeah. and then Liverpool, you know, um, I, I always thought Ray I, I had a chance, and, and obviously, you know, such, kind of his career with his, with uh, the caps he got for the Republic um, and his career at Liverpool, you know, speak to themselves. So I think Ray would be the one I always thought had a bit of a chance, and, and sure enough, it did. Right,
1: and the um, um, last question: the best strike partner at West Ham you played oh, with? Now, now, off, you're, off the now top of my head, I wrote down three. I wrote, well,
2: I played Robson, with
1: Stuart Pearson, Paul Goddard.
2: Right, I mean. Uh, as far as the finish is concerned, you know, you couldn't dismiss Derek Hales, although he's only played for half of one season with yeah. Derek. But he was a marvellous finisher. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of things he didn't have in his game, but he's a fantastic finisher. He's so cool in front of the goal. Pop was one of my, because I was a Newcastle United fan, Pop was one of my boyhood heroes. Uh, yeah. So to play alongside him was was, um, was good and Also, interesting for me because I learned so much from him about how West Ham played. Uh, I learned loads of things about what Trevor was going to do with the ball at any given time. And I learned that off Pop just by watching him, watching his movement when I played with him. Um, And I got a lot of goals from Trevor's passes because of that because I learned and I spotted what Pop did in particular situations and once Pop had left I started doing that and the ball all of a sudden came to make my three five yards out and I'd score. Yeah. Um so Pop was a fantastic learning thing for me. Um, Stuart Pearson, you know, probably his best years were at were at Manchester United, I don't even Stuart wouldn't wouldn't disagree with that. Um got that cup final you know that was his best game and then Sarge the, the situation we had with that second division season when we got like 50 odd goals between us um, it was very difficult very difficult to to pin one down if I had to say who was the best player I played with I would think it would be Pop Robson Pop Robson
1: Oh, alright David well I can only thank you for my childhood <laughs> watching, I was lucky enough, as I say, I started watching West Ham 1977-78 season. Um, so y- y- your formative years are the ones you, you always look back fondly and, and you were one of the stars of them. Uh, well, yeah. uh, one one last question. Um, yeah. on, on photographs, as the team come out, well, did you always fall cat the same way? Because it seems I think you always stood behind Billy Bonds.
2: Yeah, yeah. I always wanted. I always wanted to go out second. That was one of my
1: few superstitions. I always wanted to go out
2: behind Bill. Um, um, I don't know why really. Perhaps I did it one day and I got goals, and I thought this. Um, or maybe I was just felt uh, conscious of the fact that if you had a games with televised, when the captain came out with the ball, you always might get on television, and. You'd, your, family, we worked. your friends and family might see you on Saturday night on Match of the Day. Uh, I don't know really, I don't know why it happened. But yeah, I always wanted to come out second, and I, I usually did. I think I did in the cup final. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah.
0: So that's it. Uh, it did end quite abruptly. They did actually go on to speak for another 15 minutes personally and,
1: and a chat, but, but that that's not for broadcast. Uh, there you go. Uh, that's all we have time. We'll be back on Monday uh, to talk about the Swansea in the West Ham game. And hopefully we'll be talking about Be win But uh, for now, that's it.
0: Bobby Moore, More than just a podcast. Bobby Moore More than just a podcast